We've got two tippity-top live search advisors for you today. PK, now a senior people and business manager who won the 2018 Women in Finance Award for the best protection advisor. Very impressive, PK. And we've got the big, the bad, the dad, Ben Burgess, another highly successful advisor and family man who often acts as a spokesperson for life search. And interviewing them this week is not me, but Daddy-O, Tom Bagri. All right, so listen up, folks. This conversation is truthful. These are three passionate people, as you will hear, and their language sometimes reflects that. So cover your kids' ears and enjoy this punchy little podcast. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for letting us uh, do this, or doing this with us, rather. I have a sort of uh, a desire that what we really exemplify uh, over the next however many minutes is uh, the, the, the life search values of openness and honesty. So warts and all, tell me the truth. Let's start from the beginning, shall we? Um, or, or rather, before the beginning. Ben, what's what's your story? I thought you were an actor, but you told me that was nonsense. Not a wish, but no, that's not quite right. Um, I Peter Panned my way through life uh, <laughs> in terms of an opportunity to move to South America for my first job came up. TLA served as my Never Neverland, so uh, off we went. I am... Um, this is taking this Peter Pan analogy quite far, but I met my Wendy, if you will, in a hostel. She was a wild-eyed gypsy. She looked like Stevie Nicks in the 70s. And so um, we got married and we moved to America and then started a family. And here we are with one of them coming in the room right now. So hold on one second. Baby, you got, you got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I love you. There we go. Sorry about that. Yeah, there's there's a little one, little rascal. So now it's working from home. It's like you get off the phone and you got little ones in the room. You forget you're mm. not in the office. Yay, my kids. Oh, dear. It's very bad. <laughs> Noah told the other day, Lou was sitting there and he talks like he's from Towie. So he's got this little Essex voice going on. Daddy, mommy. He's like, Luna, you're in my fucking seat and i was like oh no that's definitely <laughs> there's no way i'm getting around that like oh, no dear. oh so. dear 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 the perils of parenting ben, ben's been about hasn't he i've moved from london to, to yorkshire and ben's been everywhere thank my parents they were like you don't work hard enough but we'll still ben, give I, you money just quickly I'll, I'll ask you to finish that off so you, you came to england and what uh, what got you into life search was it just a fluke i was like the re- every dad's worst nightmare yeah Five girls, one boy, married one off, shipped her to America. Sweet, don't have to pay for her anymore. One year later, oh, actually, we're coming back, and I got a husband, and I got a baby now. (laughs) Oh, God, if that happens to me, I'll cry. I tried everywhere. Like, I was struggling because I didn't have any UK work experience. And I sat in an interview room with Andrew Parker and I think Mike Flynn and Adam Chaudhry, or maybe just one of those two. And they're like, he got a baby that he can't pay for. He lives with his father-in-law. He'll come in here and he will work his ass off to try to make it here. And that was true. So exploitative, but also opportunity. Yeah, it worked well. It was a, a mutually beneficial. I don't, I don't think that's exploitative at all. I reckon that's just, <laughs> that's just proper talent spotting, dude. Proper talent spotting. Good stuff. And uh, PK, you were an advisor for, for how long? How did it go at the beginning? Did you struggle? Was there a tough, tough period? Was your, Did you have disasters to begin with or were you always just Rolls Royce? 
Yes, so I, I've been, I was an advisor for around seven years. Um, and I remember me starting off slow. I've been told that I wasn't. But I remember me not being up to the standard that I wanted because I wasn't used to that environment, sat around people whilst you're on the phone, having people having people listening to you whilst you're talking to your clients or family. So it was, it was, it was, it was new for me. So it took me, I would say it probably took me about 12 months for me to fully get to grips with the systems, um, learning all the, uh, about the different insurers. In fact, that was one of the things that I loved about Life Search. So in my background at Nationwide, we were tied to one insurer. So coming to a place where, where you've got a choice, I was like a kid in a candy shop. I was like, bloody hell, you're having a laugh here. I've got a choice of all these insurers. I can speak to these, when I'm speaking to these clients, if one doesn't suit, I can go to speak to somebody else. I was like, yeah, having a, this is the bee's knees. Um, and I thought about that. This wasn't going to be the place for me. I, I wasn't sure whether Life Search was my place, but... The more I did it, the more that I, I saw um, how speaking to one insurer, the terms are so different to another. I was like, man, this is it. This is life. Search. We've got to use that in some kind of advertisement. <laughs> ben, ben, I hope your start was tra- more traumatic than that. And, and that, uh, although I don't think it was, really, you just went to everything like you do, like an express train, as I recall. Uh, no, the first day I was wild nervous about coming on this job. Like, I was a school teacher before this. Like, come on now, I don't know what I'm doing here. The training works. Like, you just be yourself. That's the best advice you Mm. can give anyone here is just be yourself. And that comes through. Like, you're selling insurance, but you're also selling yourself. And if you're authentic, people will eat that up. So, you you just used the words there that I I banned from the whole organization as best I can. (laughs) We don't ban anything, really. But, you know, I, I, I always think the two words that always get me. Uh, one is leads, uh, and so we've changed that to unprotected families. And I, I, I found a, a, a director the other day calling them UFs, and uh, I immediately sent a, a rude email back going, "These are not UFs. UFs are as bad as leads. They actually sound worse than leads. You know, they're called pro- unprotected families because that way we've got to treat them right, uh, and and that sits with our ethos. Uh, and then the fact that we don't sell insurance. I say this whenever people say, "What do you do?" I say, "I don't sell insurance. Uh, my business protects families." which you may think is selling insurance, but we look at it differently. So I kind of go through that whole explanation. Um, uh, some people think language like that is business bollocks. Uh, I don't. But I, what, did you, what do you make of, of the way we talk? Does it just fall in naturally or do you think, oh, well, that's Tom's issue, it's not mine, I just tell it like it is? No, I mean, if you think about it, it's core. Like, you could buy insurance yourself on a computer. It doesn't take a person to really walk you through that. So if you are trying to help someone and really give them advice. Like people don't know what they're doing. And if you can overcome that hurdle and take someone who would be in that sense an unprotected family because they don't know what they're doing, they don't have something that fits well, turn that into a protected family, give a little bit of you in that exchange, you get a little bit of them and you have like a real, you don't have a friendship on a 30 minute conversation, but if you can make an experience of buying insurance feel like you didn't just spend that time buying insurance, but you got to know someone in the thing. I love that. That's why I, I like this job. When you start, no, you don't buy into that. You're like, yeah, whatever. I'll call it whatever I want. But when you're there for a long time, like it makes sense. It's good to use the words that you say as opposed to not. So it's not people in a phone book or people on a piece of paper. They're real people. And if you don't lose sight of that, then you're fine. Agreed. Mm. And PK, when you, we go back a long way, seven years when you when you began to feel you got it as an advisor uh, and you thought no i i'm cracking this role what were what were your chief chief motivations what what 
What did you feel was um, driving you forward each day? I don't know whether it's because I'm conscientious, but winning something or being the best at something, but but being dodgy about it doesn't cut it. it there's 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 no buzz in that. But actually doing something the right way um, and being successful, that's that's the buzz. And and if you do things the right way, you're naturally. I, I've got firm belief that you're naturally success will be a byproduct of that. Um, so I, I I go in knowing that I'm doing it with every single person that I speak to. I mean, I can give you, a, there's a story as to why I'm so passionate about wanting to protect people. Go on. It's just with my father. So my father passed away when when he was, when I was 21. Um, and I just, I remember vividly, I was I stood by the radiator and I I looked at him and I said, Papa, what, why, what are you most worried about? What are you so concerned about? Um, and he passed away like three or four weeks later, but he said, I'm just worried about your, your mum and leaving you. We were five brothers and sisters, and he said, I'm just worried about your mum and leaving all you kids. So I was the second eldest, so the youngest uh, was my little sister, Kena. so she was 17. And um, just him saying that, I didn't, I didn't realise what an impact that conversation would have going forward in my life. I mean, I had the conversation, it was less, and it's sad to, to hear your, your family speak like that. But when you're speaking to, when you're speaking to people, um, and just, I suppose, just trying to think of them that if they were in that situation if they were you know something was going to happen to them it could be death it could be an illness anything but knowing that they've got it could impact their family and if I can do anything and I mean this and this isn't just this isn't just chat this isn't just me just saying it for the sake of saying it if I can do anything um knowing that I've helped that person give them that um that feeling that you know what they're going to be all right if something does happen it's sad that I'm going to something this bad thing's happening to me but actually that's one less that's something that I don't need to worry about because that's taken care of gosh that's uh that's very powerful PK and do you know what it, it it's so powerful I just want to change tack completely because uh Ben what, what PK says is you know I mean what a, what, what a thing and I'm not not going to ask you for your version you may very well have lots of different things what I'm going to just move straight forward straight on to is is the uh the other side of the coin, you know, we we um, we we train you in in uh, brush off training, because although we don't call call, a lot of people don't want to speak to us, and we teach you how to just manage that situation so that you get some of them past that initial no, without being pushy, just just by uh, you know trying to position the thing properly. What, what what is your feeling when you're getting brushed off? What is your feeling when a customer who probably needs exactly what PK is talking about, uh, just treats you like you were, um, you know. I mean, it's like basketball. Like if somebody comes down the court and splashes a three in my face, I'm dribbling that ball right down that court. I'm going to splash three in his and then we're going to see what time it is. Like, I don't I don't like that. I know what I'm doing. Like not to sound like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the man here. But like, I'm the expert. If you can see the record and see the search histories, if they've run like 20 quotes, they don't know what they're doing. So... Trying to find common ground and really get to the core. Why are you looking at this? Like, I mean, PK, you're doing it. Like, I don't know how to follow that at all. PK, I love you. I'll give you a hug for that one. That's so sad. And I'm so sorry. But like, that's why people do it. Like, that is literally the human embodiment of why we do what we do. It's something like that. So if you can establish people's motivation behind it and try to help them get there, then you've done your job. You've done the Lord's work you have. So that's good. <laughs> uh, now, PK, you've been you've been managing people like Ben for a while. Well, there's no one quite like Ben, is there? But but you've been managing uh, advisors for uh, what three or four years? About three or four years now, yeah. And I remembered when I remember when we tried to recruit you into management, and uh, we all thought you'd be brilliant, and you didn't want to know for a while. Paula had to do a real persuasion job on you. 
Do, do, you, do you remember it that way or was that just the line she was spinning me? None of that. I, I, do, I do remember. I was so passionate about, I love speaking to people. I, I come from a family of, of education, everybody's involved in education. So when I speak to the families and I'm, I'm talking to them about their, about their needs, etc., I used to, I mean, my, my conversation would be long because I would love um, explaining everything to them, telling them about what terminal illness is and how it actually works, talking about the detailed, the detailed benefits. I loved it. I could sit there all day. And the satisfaction you got from the families, oh, pure buzz that was, pure buzz. When it came to wanting to lead, I thought, why would I want to do something that I didn't think I was going to be great at? I thought, I've got zero patience. Um, I haven't got any tolerance. Um, but here I've got something that I love. I love speaking to people. But um, in the end, I thought I, I, I treat leadership more as mentoring. So I think to myself, if I can impart some of that knowledge onto these advisors that I that I now lead, then I've done. Then I've probably um, done more than just keeping all of that to myself. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I, I often think that the uh, the right way to lead in life searches is actually to coach and mentor. And if that's the way you do it, that'll explain why your team is so uh, so so successful. I want to probe a little further, though, Ben. So is there a type of customer who you, when you hear them on the phone, you go, okay, this, this, is, this is the kind of person I work with well. And then again, is there another sort that comes on the phone and you think, oh, you're just, oh dear, I've got to really sort of strap on my, my extra tact boots here to be just perfectly gentle. This one is a tap in to use a, a sports analogy that people actually play in this country. So yes, uh, my favorite type of customer is a young family with young kids because I'm living that. Like, what are you doing not having insurance with two kids and a mortgage? It's so easy and it's so easy to establish common ground. What I love about this job is you don't ever have to like put on a face or play a part to talk to someone. If you just be yourself, like nobody wants to spend more money than they have on something that they need. So if you can make people feel like it's not daunting, it's not that kind of task, and you can establish things to build off of, i.e. your kids, in that example of what's my favorite then you can just take it from there. So I love young families. I love older, drunker, rich businessmen because they think that they know everything about the entire world. They know it all. And, and Pika, I'm going to come to you in a split second, but I just love this image uh, of, the, uh, of the, the, the drunk, rich businessman. And um, I don't know whether I empathize a little with that, perhaps not, but the, uh, the, uh, the, the, guy who know, the guy who knows it all. Do you find that you actually... You get through to them? I think you do. I think you're very successful at using humor to disarm people a lot. I'm a young drunk guy doing it out here for my family. You're an old drunk guy out here doing it for your family. Then there we go. Like, everybody loves to drink. Finish. Like, I also I think more highly of myself than probably I should. There's a lot of common ground there. You just have to dig for it. So it's fine. Perfect. I've been for all of this. I, I still remember those conversations. You'd get a, an awkward, you'd get a, ch- a chap. I say a chap, but it could sometimes be a woman, but you'd get somebody that was really assertive on the phone, really confident, confident that they don't want to speak to you. And you'd be like, and they were my favourites. I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna love disarming. I'm going to love you. When you hear my advice, you're going to be loving me. Let's go for this journey. <laughs> Fundamentally, right, if we could speak to, if the, if the clients that we speak to recognised that we want to help you, we are experts, like Ben said, we are the experts. We do this day in, day out. I always used to say to, I'll say to my advisor and say to myself all the time that you'd go to a lawyer for legal advice. You go to a doctor when you're ill. When you need protection advice, that's me. 
I don't care what you do. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how successful you are, how knowledgeable you are in your field. That's your job. Brilliant, beautiful. But this is my field. I am the expert. I do this day in, day out. I research. I look at key features. I speak to underwriters. I speak to insurance companies. I am here to help you. Listen to me because I am here for you. This is what I'm, this is what I want to get across. Preach. The, the, be- <laughs> the best thing used to be is when you, when you speak to those people at the beginning that didn't want to speak to you and at the end of it they're saying thank you thank you so much Peter. thank you for thank you for being so persistent with me and thank you for giving me the advice that's fantastic I had a lovely little liner and it used to be so I'm going to drop you an email can I have my email address on there Poonam Khan at Life Search um when you, if you're calling in to speak to me if you've got any questions give me a call but if you're calling in to speak to me just ask for PK so all my friends and colleagues do the same basically that saying yeah if you're not a colleague you're going to be a friend Default. Boom, boom. Very good. Very good. That's it. Fantastic. Ben, I think PK has just answered a question I I wanted to ask, uh, which which is, you know, what is it that you wish customers would just get about us? Uh, If you go beyond the fact that we're we're expert, just relax, leave this to me, it's all going to end up well for you. And do our various competitors who perhaps don't give advice or don't do it our way. Mm. Do they clutter the field? Do they confuse? Do they? Do you end up having to, what's the word, deconstruct various bits of stuff that other people have told them that are wrong? Some people have a general idea. I think a lot of our families come from people that are buying their first house. And mortgage advisors, it varies, but are generally tied to one insurer or a handful of insurers and generally try to milk it for all it's worth, which... I love it because you're just like, oh, they gave you a quote for 150 pounds a month. Oh boy, well, let's talk about that for a little bit. Can I start, Ben? Did you did you find that when you when you spoke to the families um, and they they maybe presented another quote from somewhere else that often you see that how somebody's tried to um, maybe maybe give them advice on critical illness when actually it was t- it was terminal or when they've tried to reduce prices by reducing a term for just little things like that. Did you did you often find that all the time? I think. People in the whole, we wouldn't know. PK, you wouldn't know. You guys wouldn't know. Like, how would you set up an insurance policy if you didn't do it for a job? That's not something mm-hmm. that many people mm-hmm. take in their free time. Oh, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to do my kids' stuff. I'm going to do my stuff. And then I'm going to research online how to do insurance. Nobody does that. So I guess I wanted to ask um, uh, about about the role itself. Now, the way we do the role is is you get to do an awful lot of underwriting. And then you hand it over to a, to a tele interviewer who does the sort of medical questions. I mean, you can do them yourself at times. Uh, and some of the customers drop away at that point and just don't ever make that second call. Uh, what, do you, what do we do this the right way? Do you think there's a if you ran Life Search, would you would you change this sort of dual system we have where we take the customer away from you and give them to a specialist at asking questions? PK, I can see you're itching to answer. Yeah, I am. I, I've got opinions on this, so. I do think well, one of the things that I liked about Life Search when I first joined was I, I liked the fact that we didn't do our own applications because I think there's a conflict of interest when you do do your own applications. You do your bit, give the advice, and then you pass it through ideally smoothly to a specialised department uh, that know all the ins and outs of the policies, all the, all the questions, and they can really guide the client in the best way to get the application completed. An advisor is all about seizing the opportunity. A TI is all about doing something in an orderly and proper fashion. It's a different kind of different kind of psychology, which is one of the reasons why I think it's quite dangerous for advisors to do their own uh, applications. But you do, Ben, uh, all the time, if possible. Yeah. I love it. Like 
I see what you're saying in terms of a conflict of interest. But at the end of the day, all these calls are recorded. Everything is getting regulated. Think about if that was your family, that some buddies did this improperly. You had a disease, you died and you're not getting any money. If you do that every time, like, come on now. No, 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 no. Yeah. I get that. So, so you do you do your own a lot. Every, I'm a control freak. I'm not giving that up. Do you know? Like, I put so much of myself into every one of these calls. Like, I'm talking. I'm grateful to hear this from you, PK, that you were saying that your calls were wild long, your notes were wild long. I would have never thought that, based on what I know. I didn't think you'd be doing that at all. And I'm the same. Like, it takes me forever to get through this. So for me to then take this baby that I created in this bond and hand it off to somebody else, I don't want to do that. As long as you can be ethical for how you're doing it, then I think you should be doing your own apps for everything just because the continuity is there. Like, it's not fun to talk about that. All this, when I was younger, I had some mental health issues and I tried to hurt myself. You don't want to tell that to more than one person. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's, it's, you've got a closed circle there. And if you can keep that, I'm a big fan of that. I was, I was just going to say, don't you feel, I always felt that actually when, they, when they're when they going for an application, you almost take the emotion out of it a little bit and you you are going something, you're, you're doing something a little bit more black and white because that's what the insurers are going to look at, aren't they? They're going to look at the black, they're not going to look at the emotions. They're going to look at the black and white responses to your to your, to your answers. Um, but but, but I, I do see your point of view. I do see that. I think taking control of seeing a whole journey through is good because like you said, you give your, you put your all into it. Um, I just like the fact that actually you're, you're great at advising. So why not spend your time doing what you're brilliant at? The TIs, they do have a tough job. I mean, it's, it's a tough job, isn't it? Knowing that you've, everything everything has to be clockwork. You've, you've got The app's got to be completed and then you've got somebody else waiting for you. So it's, you know, I it's, think, it's I tough. Think, I think, PK, the, the, the point is we, we're offering choice. So if you have got yeah. Ben's perspective, then you can indulge yourself. And yes, you're not going to... Um, protect as many families because you're spending a lot of time underwriting each, which the, the the person who well isn't next to you anymore down the street or in the next town, the other life search advisor, they could be farming it all out to the TIs. And yes, they'll lose some because of the weight, uh, but then they'll be doing more because they, you know, they, they're not doing the uh, the underwriting calls themselves, which can be quite long. So horses for courses, and I bet you with some customers you do it, and other customers you don't. I guess I just wanted to ask kind of two connected questions, which you can merge and, and blend into one. Uh, the, the the best and worst worst bits of the job for you and the uh, what you would change about life search if you could. Fancy having a go at answering that? Uh, who, who who talked most most recently? Ben, I think you get another shot at it, don't you? There's nothing quite like it as an advisor. When you hear that tonal shift in a client's voice or in a family's voice, whatever, they're like, oh my God, this guy's actually trying to help me. And it just opens it up. Like it's like a Disney movie, like the birds go off and all this, you know what I mean? Like, it's amazing. <laughs> like, that is it. So I love that. Um, In terms of what I would change, I mean, we're doing the best with what we can. Like, come on, this is a scary time that we're all living in. People need us more now than they ever needed us before. People are thinking about dying and getting sick now more than they ever did before. And if you can come through and be a real person on the other end of the phone, as opposed to somebody thinking like, or we're going to make some money out of this person and be done with them, then that's amazing. So that's two positives and zero negatives. I mean, I'm not just saying that. Like, I like doing what I do. Like, I could sleep at night being like, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Do I love it all the time? Absolutely not. But so, you know, like at its core, I'm happy with what I do. That's fantastic. That's that's fantastic. Well, PK, but I need a negative from you now. I, I need something, you, oh, something we've got to change. 
Um, Bloody hell. <laughs> no, yeah, did you? Yeah, yeah. So, because uh, I struggled with this, thinking, what, what would we change? And I was, I was, I thought I was nitpicking. Um, there's something I wrote and I deleted because I thought actually we do do this. But one thing, just as life search, I think sometimes we can um, jump from problem to problem without f- sometimes fixing the underlying, the underlying thing. So we we will look for the, another result when we actually we I'm not sure we've got the most out of the initial thing. Okay. Yeah. We we, we sometimes go too fast instead of just fixing each individual thing as we go. Yeah, I, I, I wonder where we got that from. I wonder whose psychology caused that uh, hurly-burly rapid approach. But moving swiftly on, moving swiftly on. Um, and the best bit of the job for you, PK, now you're managing people? Well, advisor-wise, I think Ben's already pretty much said it, but it's that it's that the buzz of knowing that you have done all that you can. A, a, a specific example would be when you have done your job, searched the market. This is what I think Life Search represents. We are the, the guys that you come to when you've got health issues and you want to find the best insurer for you. That's why I think what we what we specialize in, what we should, what we should be specializing in. So look at speaking to different insurers and knowing that you've done the best that you can to give this family the best possible terms and best price and best advice, adding huge value to other people's lives. That, that to me is, is, is something that I really love as being a, as an advisor. That's, uh, that's going to make it into the final cut, that is. Uh, that's brilliant. Uh, good stuff, guys. Well, I could actually talk to you both uh, all, all, all day. Thank that you. That was absolute, absolutely brilliant. Thank, Thank you. Love, guys. Thanks so much. Cheers. Guys. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Oh, good evening. Night. The music for Searching for Elephants was created by Patrick Bagri, who also mixes the podcast, and the show was created and edited by me, Angus Bagri.